Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. We are back on our Thursday edition here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network at WWSRN. Awesome presented to you by Belly Up Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with Chris Dowhauer. Chris, how are you doing this week, my man? Trying to stay cool in this heat we got out here on the East Coast. Uh, we got some 95 and 97 degree weather coming up, so it's definitely summertime. Yeah, it is hot, 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 but football is here. That's what that means. We got preseason action tonight, and I can't think of a better segue to our sponsor, honestly, than that right there because we got Manscaped on the Rocket Docket for the first half of today's show because summer is coming to an end soon, but you can still unveil that beach bot of yours because you are in luck with our friends at Manscaped because they just launched their fourth-generation performance package, which includes a lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Compliment your dad bod or six-pack with a trim from the leaders in male grooming. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. So join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Again, that is 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Yeah, it is hot. There's no better day to sit in the studio and record here with you. We are going over the half-point mock draft today. It'll be a 12-man league, kind of standard industry there. 
There'll be one quarterback, two running backs, three receivers, a tight end flex, defense kicker, and six bench spots, 16 rounds. We're going to go through all that for you guys today, talk about some different draft strategies, some different tips as we go through our values for our players. Before we get into that, though, the other thing that's really, really hot is a lot of the news coming out of training camp that we're going to touch a little bit on today and tomorrow. So let's get into that. Breaking news. I guess I got to kick it off with the news I just got literally before we hit the live button here uh, on, you know, at Belly Up MDFF show. If you're watching us on social media or our YouTube channel, MD's Fantasy Football Show, Elijah Moore walking off the field with the trainers. Don't know exactly what happened there yet. All we know is that he's walking off and that that is all we have at the moment. So we'll keep you guys up to date. Remember, if you ever need those player news notification updates, we do a good job of keeping you guys up to date here on social media at BellyUpMDFF Show. Just follow us, hit the little notification button up, and we'll try to keep you going and give you guys the edge over your competition as we go through and give you our fantasy analysis on what it all means. One of the things I want to lead off today's show is talk about Rashad Bateman. He has a soft tissue injury. It sounds like it is a groin issue. It took him a couple of days to come out and actually say it. He's week to week. The idea is he might be healthy enough by week one, but he might be done as far as training camp is concerned. Marquise Brown's still dealing with his hamstring injury. He hasn't come back yet. So, Chris, break down. What's your analysis of this Baltimore Ravens wide receiver group at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I think first with Rashad Bateman, I think this is definitely going to stunt his production off the bat and from the get. I mean, this guy already missed some OTAs. He's missed most of training camp now. So it's going to be a little difficult for a rookie receiver to have adjustment as it is to get kind of comfortable out there with missing all this practice time. And I think that you talk about Marquise Brown, you know, they kind of expected he would be back by now. This is kind of a lingering thing. You know, this guy depends on his speed. So you need him to be on top to top shape in a lot of ways to be productive. So I think what it basically does is it makes sure that right now in the beginning of the season, you know Mark Andrews is going to probably solidify his value because he'll probably be the primary target. I think Sammy Watkins might start be something we kind of think about for DFS purposes or even streaming options because now he might be the man at the receiving quarter to start off the season. Yeah, I've said this before, and I'm staying you know firm on this stance. I don't really want to draft a Baltimore wide receiver in redraft leagues, period. There's still a lot of questions as far as what the volume is going to be. A lot of questions when all these guys are on the field, who exactly is going to get that volume if it gets spread out. And Mark Andrews is still the lead guy. I don't know how much value these guys have, but I'm open to picking one of these guys up if they emerge throughout the season. Here's what I will say, though. It's a little bit disappointing. I was very excited about Rashad Bateman possibly being that guy because I do think by the end of the season, he could be that guy. And maybe that still stands firm now, but I think it's going to take a lot longer for him to break out if he's going to miss the rest of training camp with the practice reps that he's going to miss. So I think this does hinder his potential rookie season, frankly. A little disappointing there. But yeah, Sammy Watkins, look, he's always started off the season well. Uh, it's just a matter of what you're going to get out of him after that or what, how healthy he was going to be after that is always usually the question, it seems like, with Sammy Watkins. So, again, something I'm willing to let play out. If somebody emerges, I'll pique my interest. We'll talk about that in season. But this doesn't change my stance on I'm not drafting a Baltimore Ravens wide receiver. We'll, we'll give a Carson Wentz update here. So there's a good news, it seems, uh, the surgeries were successful both for Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson. Remember, they both had similar injuries, similar surgeries, similar timelines. And now both of them are actually re- being reported as on the path to possibly being back for week one. Now, this is huge news uh, for you know not just those guys, but also everybody who's fantasy relevant 
for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, a little bit surprised that they actually got the best news that they possibly could in the situation. Doesn't always work out that way. But the other note that I wanted to put out here is that had Carson went, had this news not come out about Carson Wentz, the quarterback competition sounded like Sam Ellinger is actually beating out Jacob Easton to the point where they were both going to play in preseason and it's neck and neck now in practice. Which, what's your take on that, Chris? So I don't know if the, you know, MD fans remember Colt McCoy and Ryan Mallett, but that's basically the two guys we're talking about right now. Um, you have a, basically a, a noodle arm quarterback from Texas, Sam Ellinger, who's out playing the guy who can't hit the broadside of a barn. Um, and I think that it's not a surprise to me. I think Easton was a bum coming out of college. I never thought he had much talent. He's got a great arm, but that's about all he brings to the table. So it's not very really surprising hearing that Sam Ellinger, who can actually read defenses and hit the guy out of the backfield once in a while, is being the more productive guy and getting more reps as the, season, as the you know, preseason has begun. Yeah, it's, look, the thing is, Easton, he has that big arm. They drafted, when he was drafted, he was drafted to be a project rookie quarterback who has some potential because he has some tools. He was always going to be a couple-year project, though. This was not a guy you were expecting to have to actually play in year two. Sam Ellinger, there's nothing special about him, as you pointed out, but he takes care of the football. From what I understand, he just threw his first interception uh, the other day in training camp. And he had been, you know, just a guy who can get the ball moving. Because remember, this is a team that should have a pretty good defense, a pretty good team overall. So until Carson Wentz gets back, if, if it doesn't happen to be week one, the Colts will be looking at is, you know what? We just need to hold down the fort until he does get back. But now it's not like Carson Wentz may be back week one. So with him being back, let's say he is definitely back week one. Do you move guys like Michael Pittman and T.Y. Hilton back up your board? Not that they were very high to begin with, but are they back on your sleeper range territory? What does that do for Jonathan Taylor in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I think it helps all those guys. I mean, basically for me, the Colts receivers have become undraftable. I thought that, you know, Michael Pittman was a guy I definitely liked his upside going into this year. and was a guy I was kind of looking for as a steal in the later rounds. Uh, I basically had removed him from my board once the Carson Wentz news had come out. And T.Y. Helton was somebody that basically tumbled down my board where it was like a dart throw where he might move up where, you know, some guys at receiver four, receiver five range. So for me, it definitely helps the receivers. And I think at the running back position, it definitely helps Jonathan Taylor. And, you know, you talk to Carson Wentz. The other good news was Quentin Nelson should be back as well or could be back that early as well, which I think is gigantic for Jonathan Taylor. You need your kind of all pro tackle, I mean, all pro guard. Um, they had some intricate center. So you need somebody to kind of run behind. And I think Jonathan Taylor is going to be much more productive because that overall, that Colts offense should actually be able to move the ball versus you had no idea what you were going to get with Tony Easton or Sam Ellinger. If you were a Jonathan Taylor believer as far as you were willing to draft him in the first round, Quentin, the Quentin Nelson news is the biggest news, even, even bigger than Carson Wentz, because you're going to have that middle be able to block because your big key is that they have a very good offensive line, but that offensive line has been banged up throughout training camp. We still don't know exactly when Eric Fisher is going to return. It sounds like it's not going to be before week one. Uh, so you that was that was huge news for him. I'm not going to get too much. This this helps you if you were going to take Jonathan Taylor in the first round. I'm not going to get too much because I am going to talk about him in tomorrow's show when we talk about the best five, bus five, sleeper five running backs. Make sure you tune back in at BellyFMDFF Show or at WWSRN, the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, tomorrow at 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. And we'll talk about that show after this one uh, today. Yeah, that's that's all I'm going to say about that. T.Y. Hilton was uh, a sleeper of mine. He continues to be a sleeper of mine. I don't think he's done. I think he will 
be able to take advantage of certain secondaries out there, especially playing in the AFC South with Carson Wentz, a quarterback who can actually throw the ball deep. I think he does have that big play capability still in there. I'm still to be determined on Michael Pittman or how valuable these guys really were will be outside of being wide receiver fours. T.Y. Hilton is my guy there in that Colts team still because of the big play capability. I'd rather take my boom or bust shot in certain matchups where Michael Pittman, I don't know if he has anything more than flex value any given week, no matter what the matchup is. That's been my stance on that, but it does help that Carson Wentz is back because otherwise I wasn't going to be looking at any of these guys, period. Uh, And so that became uh, a thing. The other news I want to talk about, uh, we'll do a quick mention here. Just It's not really fantasy news, but Josh Allen gets his contract extension. If it plays out the way his contract is set up, he could be with the Buffalo Bills for the next eight years off of this contract extension. Uh, Chris, obviously after last year, we knew he was going to get paid. Or do you think the Bills are set up here for the long term with Josh Allen? I mean, I think that I'm still not a huge Josh Allen fan. I think last year he definitely you know, showed that he's one of the better quarterbacks on the upcoming. Um, I had to kind of eat crow with some wet with him. But I do think that they might want regretting this investment in some you know, respects. I think overall the quarterback positions, you know, salaries going out of control. And we saw the last draft class of those due for re-signings, how that kind of panned out. None of them are on their current teams any longer. Carson Wentz has moved on. Jared Goff's moved on. Um, you can go down the list, you know, on and on. The guys who got these – these nice big second year deals with mean, second contract deals and you know, get paid. And then the teams realize how hard it is to build a successful team around them. And if they have any decline in play, suddenly you need to you know, consider moving on. Yeah. I don't disagree with any of that. I'm with you in the same boat. I was not a big Josh Allen fan. The reason being, I never thought he could be an accurate enough NFL quarterback last year. We all know 69% completion percentage jumped out the roof. Shocked everybody. Yes, Stephon Diggs is a big help with that, but it was more than just one wide receiver. We've seen good receivers before quarterbacks not go that high on complete percentage. So Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Does he is he able to maintain that or is he able to keep it at 65% or better? Let's say so. My my jury on this contract is going to be out on this season. So if he can come back and show me you can go 65 or better completion percentage again this year, then I'm going to say, you know what, you probably made the smart investment. If he dips back down into the high 50 area, 58, 59, which is typically what he type of quarterback he had been up until this point, then I think it's when we're going to see, start to see the red flags. So for me, the jury's still out on Josh Allen, how this is going to be long-term. Fantasy-wise, no, he's my top four quarterback. But 
NFL wise, I think this year is going to be the tell all as far as does this contract actually pan out for them in the long term? Because I still got to see it. I mean, I've never seen a quarterback take that big of a jump before. Uh, other news, Deshaun Watson. I feel like we have to update him almost every time we hit the microphone. Deshaun Watson did go back to practice uh, today. He's actually getting looked at at trainers working on both his feet. You know how hurt he is or whatever that that's up for discussion. He's still not practicing as the quarterback, even when he was out there. They still had him doing team drills, not taking first team reps. Still had him doing dumb stuff like playing secondary, even when he came back after he sat out, I believe it was last week with a foot issue, quote unquote. Uh, so he's, he's doing what he has to do to not get fined. We still don't have any clarity on the situation. It still doesn't seem like anybody's close to actually making a deal for Deshaun Watson. I, my big thing is this. I know Houston came into this season with the idea that you you probably weren't going to have Watson. They probably thought they were either going to trade him or he was going to wind up being suspended for the year. Neither one of those things has happened. Chris, is Houston really going to go into week one with a non-suspended Deshaun Watson and not play him? I, I mean, let's first of all, you know, to be correct on the radio, our, our podcast, I'm going to say it's a giant cluster screw of a situation. Yeah. Um, I think that when you look at this, you just have to basically you know, bang your head against the wall. Why hasn't the NFL made a decision what they're going to do yet? Houston seems to be in no man's land as a result because they had him practicing with, you know, on second, you know, the secondary at one point, missing practices. Now he returns. You still have no idea if he's a franchise quarterback for you or not moving forward. And he could be on your roster week one. So now you start considering giving him reps while a guy he hasn't been getting reps. So I think that if he doesn't get any reps, I mean, it's obvious that he won't play. But I can't see that the situation can drag on much longer without somebody calling you know, out somebody because the NFL has to make a decision or the Colts to make a decision. One way or another, this has to be resolved sooner than later because you're basically you know, screwing people's careers right now. Well, yeah, the, the whole thing is screwed up, but I expect this from the NFL. We've seen the NFL be delayed in their reaction before. And honestly, I wasn't going to be surprised once we heard that the court cases weren't going to continue until February, that maybe he wasn't going to wind up on the exemption list. What I'm shocked by is the fact that he's still on Houston and you won't even have the guy play quarterback in practice. That's what I'm shocked by. What are you doing, Houston? You want to send a message what position are you in to send a message? You have a head coach who is clearly there just to fill the seat to whoever you hire next year. That is abundantly obvious. David Culley is going to be a one-and-done head coach this season. You are by far the worst team in the league. And if you actually want to boost the value of Deshaun Watson, he needs to be on the field. Deshaun Watson, for his sake, needs to be on the field for PR standpoint. This makes no sense. And what's lining up to be is just a catastrophe and you go back to why Deshaun Watson wanted to leave Houston in the first place because he thinks management is stupid. I agree. Management is stupid over there in Houston. I don't know what they're doing. Nothing they do makes any sense whatsoever. Uh, so, But right now, as it's setting up, I feel like even if he's on the roster in Houston and not suspended, I don't know if he starts week one. It's why he continues to be off my board on my rankings, which you can check out at BillionFantasySports.com, by the way. They're updated again this week. But that's why I keep him off the board. And he's been kind of moving up in drafts because he hasn't been suspended. I don't know that Houston plays him. I don't think you're suddenly going to turn around one week and have a come to Jesus moment and have this guy actually take first team reps at the quarterback position. This whole situation is just scurry from off the field to on the field to everywhere else. Uh, moving on, though, because we got to wrap up the breaking news segment, get into this mock draft. Traquan Smith still not practicing. I just want to mention Marquez Callaway 
has been the team's number one receiver. Now, part of that, he's the only receiver worth anything that's actually healthy. But he is speedy. He is a deep field threat. Uh, presumably, it is still leaning, it seems, according to reports, that Jameis Winston is winning the job as of this moment, although him and Taysom Hill still are splitting first-team reps and nothing official has been announced. But if Jameis Winston's out there and Marquez Callaway, by default, is the only receiver worth going to, I do think you're talking about a guy who has boomer bust potential from a week-to-week basis. But I think he's more of a DFS play. I'm still not going to draft a Marquez Callaway, but maybe somebody have my eye on in case he does show, you know, in the next step up in his development, show that he can be a big play guy. It'll be interesting for me from a DFS standpoint week one, though. I'll say that much. Yeah, I, mean, I think Marquez Callaway, I mean, if you look how he profiled when he came out of Florida, this guy's six foot two. He's able to kind of use his body. He's able to, he's a big, strong guy. So he has a lot of features that Michael Thomas kind of has. And when Michael Thomas was out last year, and both Traquan was also injured, you saw Callaway step up with an eight catch, 77 yards. I think he's going to become that guy that they kind of utilize in the Michael Thomas role while, um, you know, Michael Thomas kind of gets back. If he ever comes back, because there's a lot of rumors now, he actually might be on the trade block um, with what's going on between him and, you know, management in New Orleans. So I think that you look at this team. This is a guy that you definitely have to consider for, you know, for DFS purposes, but maybe take a shot in round 16 or something like that, because he might be a guy that doesn't just have production while Michael Thomas is out. He could be the scene's top receiver this year in a lot of ways. I don't think Traquan Smith is going to be anything more than he has been. And he's shown up what he is. He's basically a one trick pony. He's able to kind of stretch the field, have a game here or there where he's productive, but he's not anything special. No, agreed. His biggest attribute is that he's a decent blocking wide receiver. I got to hit the breaking news. Like- breaking news. Rashad Bateman will undergo groin surgery. We'll be back at some point in September. So sounds like he's probably not going to be around for week one. This doesn't really change anything as far as fantasy value wise goes. It just, again, just keeps delaying potentially what his rookie season could be with the Baltimore Ravens and just keeps emphasizing that Sammy Watkins is probably going to be that number one wide receiver early on. So it doesn't really change much from our take, but that news coming down just now live on the show. Last thing I want to talk about before we get into the mock draft, Kenny Galladay update. He was out there on the field today running straight line drills, so he is progressing through. So he's on pace for that week one appearance. But Chris, again, Kenny Galladay, hamstring issues. What's your feeling on this right now? I'm actually very excited because I think that if we're going to have you know a little bit of a soft tissue issue, you prefer it to happen earlier and see recovery opportunity early in the preseason versus, you know, getting game three, you're not really sure what this guy's going to be going into the season opener. So if he's able to kind of put together a few weeks of good practices and stay healthy, you're feeling good going to the season where you're like Kenny Galladay because maybe he got it out of the way. But if this is what happened, you know, kind of lingers, that should be a big red flag for people of how high they should target him because if he's still not out there, you know, become week three, week four in preseason, then you know this thing's going to be an issue probably all season. Yeah, I... I disagree about the excitement part. Uh, I haven't moved Kenny Galladay down my board as of yet because it doesn't seem like he's going to miss a game yet due to this injury, although it probably will at some point in the season. I already have him baked in for missing three at some point because his injury rate ratio is five to one, and I have that baked in. And I already have him much lower than most of the consensus anyway. I have him ranked at wide receiver 31 when his ADP is about a low-end wide receiver two. So I'm not going to move him down my board further unless I know he's going to miss time. 
but I'm not. I look with the hamstring injuries. Yes, some you, in a way you like it to happen earlier rather than later because you have time to actually get over it and heal from it in the process. I've also seen plenty of guys where they get the training camp hamstring issue and it never goes away for the entire season. And being that Kenny Galladay's history is involved in this. I don't know if he's one of those guys that actually ever gets over it. I already had some of my doubts about Daniel Jones and Jason Garrett and his offense in general anyway. But as far as if you are a Kenny Galladay believer, he is on pace, on track to get back into week one action. Okay, Chris, are we ready? Are we ready for this mock draft? This 12 point, not 12 point, half point, 12 man PPR mock draft I randomized the order. Chris, you have the first pick, and I have the fourth pick. So we're both going to be in the top five in this 12-man. So we're going to probably be sniping the crap out of each other throughout this draft. But let's kick this thing off. I'm curious to see exactly where you go pick 101. Oh, it's such a mystery to me. Just well, you definitely, you definitely threw me a curveball a little bit because I was trying to build my strategy around me towards the end of the, se- end of the dr- first round. But Come on, you know this work. To- I randomized it last week, too. Having the first pick doesn't bother me at all because I think this is an obvious no-brainer. I think you go Christian McCaffrey. I don't think this is a thing that you overthink. Um, in round one, you want to make sure that you're getting a top running back unless you're, you're drafting later on in that first round where maybe you consider one of those top three receivers. But to me, Christian McCaffrey is clearly the top player on the board. Not concerned about any reduction in usage. Not concerned about him having an injury last year because that's not something that has been ongoing throughout his career. I expect this guy to kind of hit the floor, you know, running. I expect him to be one of the best players out there. And I think that, you know, Chris McCaffrey to me is obviously number one. Yeah, I'm not worried about this injury history that people were like, well, what if he gets hurt? What if anybody gets hurt? I mean, like, look, that was the first time he's been injured. I still view Chris McCaffrey as one of the more durable guys out there with one of the greatest workloads out there. You want to make this pick so we can move on this draft? Or are you just going to uh, hover I around and I, pick one? I thought there? I did pick it. <laughs> Chris so. is like, I just want to. I just want to take in the moments of this mock draft. Enjoy, so, soak in that first Christian round, McCaffrey. So no surprise here. And again, this isn't super flex. This is your standard half point, 12 man PPR league. Dalvin Cook goes off the board. Derrick Henry goes off the board. It's a prefer after Christian McCaffrey. In my mind, it's a preference pick between Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry uh, for, for me. Uh, I'm taking Alvin Kamara here at my number four. I have him. You know, just above Ezekiel Elliott. That's that's the two would be between. On one hand, I love Ezekiel Elliott this year. I think he's got a real chance to shock a lot of people. But on the other hand, Alvin Kamara is is the Saints offense this season. He's a stud. He's a superstar. I'm not worried about losing Drew Brees. I don't care who the quarterback is. The entire offense is going to revolve around what Alvin Kamara can possibly do. So that's why he's going to be my guy over Ezekiel Elliott, especially a half-point PPR league. You know he's going to get over 100 targets. There's no doubt about that. As his mock draft is going on, remember, you guys can comment into this live stream on the show at Show. Send your comment in. We'll talk about them throughout this draft. We still got the mailbag segment at the end, too, which is another great way to get on the show or just get your questions answered so we can help you out in your fantasy football teams as well. Again, just hit us up on social media, at Belly Up MDFF Show. You can also watch us on our YouTube channel, MD's Fantasy Football. All right, so after that, Saquon Barkley came off ahead. This was kind of interesting. So Saquon Barkley comes off ahead of Jonathan Taylor, ahead of Nick Chubb, ahead of Ezekiel Elliott, who fell all the way to Team 9. Team 8 went with Tyreek Hill. That was the first receiver off the board. Travis Kelsey does leave in the first round. 
Aaron Jones, Team 11. Antonio Gibson comes back with the 12th pick. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And then there's a string of wide receivers after that. I was kind of surprised. DeAndre Hopkins going over guys like Devontae Adams and Stephon Diggs, who are the next two picks. Austin Eckler, Calvin Ridley, which I'm big on. So teammate going Tyree Kill and Calvin Ridley. Kind of like that back-to-back there in the half-point PPR league. Team 7 going with DK Metcalf. Team 6, Jonathan Taylor, Joe Mixon to round it out. Team 9 comes back with A.J. Brown after Saquon Barkley. So, Chris, what do you think about that order of players there? Any surprises in that mixture? Yeah, I'm a little surprised that, you know, that we saw some curveballs by the computer last time we did this draft, but we, I think that you look at some of the receivers going as early as they did, particularly DeAndre Hopkins going before some of the other key receivers and the receivers in general just going before a lot of these running backs. I'm a little surprised by that because usually in that second round, you like to kind of be an opportunity to lock down that second good running back you kind of usually do. So I'm a little surprised that they went so heavy receiver. So I'm actually, I'm still on the clock here a little bit. So I want to make a point here of, of the running back tiers. So I'm looking at Najee Harris, J.K. Dobbins, or DeAndre Swift in this situation. You go to my rankings, I have DeAndre Swift ranked the highest. However, I'm a little bothered by this groin injury. I'm a little bothered by Detroit in general with how they want to use Jamal Williams. I, DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins, I think, have both have higher upsides than Najee Harris. Ultimately, why I have them ranked a little bit higher than Najee Harris. I think he's going to struggle with that offensive line not being very good but he's going to get a ton of work. And here's the other point too. Sometimes early on in your draft, you just want to not lose it. I have more confidence in the idea of a Najee Harris lasting for 17 games than I do, let's say, a DeAndre Swift. So I'm actually going to go Najee Harris here. I would normally go Dobbins or DeAndre Swift, but I'm going to mix it up and go with the safe play with Alvin Kamara and go with the volume here out of those two guys. Yeah, I think that's a smart intake. I mean, insight. I think that you also have a guy that is definitely going to play all three downs where a guy that might be kind of splitting some time with Jamal Williams. So I think that was where you got to kind of be safer than sorry, as you pointed out. After that, Patrick Mahomes, the first quarterback coming off the board in the second round. That's too high, by the way. If you're in a one quarterback league, there's no reason a quarterback should be coming off the board in the second round. Did you not learn your lesson from Lamar Jackson last year? There's no quarterback, first of all, I think, in this year's class that's going to be head head and shoulders above everybody else. That's what he needs to be in order to return the value of a second-round pick. So, again, Team 3, thank you for that because now this is a teaching point for MD Nation. Don't take a quarterback that high. There's too many of them, too late. And in order to get your return on your investment, Patrick Holmes has to score like 50 to 70 more points than the next guy for that to be worth the pick there in the second round. After that, J.K. Dobbins does come off the board. Chris, you went with Clyde Edwards Hilaire for your second round pick and still contemplating on your third, your first third round pick now. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm looking at a guy to make sure I lock up my second running back. I like the floor with Edwards Hilaire. I like the upgrades of offensive line. So I think that for me, having a Christian McCaffrey and an Edwards Hilaire, I have two guys that have good floors because they're not just only involved in rushing. They're also you know great pass catchers. So I think this is something that I'm kind of excited about. And then I look in the third round, I'm kind of deciding, do I want to lock up that and look for my first receiver or do I kind of stick to the running back position and just load up as much as I can? Yeah, I can't disagree with that. Clyde Edwards-Alaire falling to you. I, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is falling more and more. I have him ranked as my RB14. He's consistently going in that third-round territory. That is very much a value for this guy. Again, until they actually... I do believe they'll sign a veteran at some point. Maybe not before the season. Maybe during the season like they have last couple of years. I still worry about him in the red zone. But the volume is going to be there. This is still a very solid RB2 that you're getting in the third round that does have some upside given this offense you followed up now you went three running backs strong in this half point PPR league remember we are starting three receivers as well David Montgomery you go within the third round can't hate it there either yeah I mean a lot of people have some doubts about what his production will be this year but this guy was number four score last year half point PPR and was one of the top you know top 10 guys when it's point per game so when I think we look at David Montgomery you have a safe floor some upside with Justin Fields gets in on the field sooner than later and the guy that you kind of, for me, solidifies my flex position. Were you battling between David Montgomery and Chris Carson there? Because I have Chris Carson hired David Montgomery. That's why I would have went with there. But I know you like Chris Carson, too. I do like Chris Carson. And I kind of took the chance that Carson was ranked a little lower, that maybe if there's a chance that for a fourth running back to fall, maybe it would be Carson. I know that you like him a lot, too. My only concern is that upside. Um, I looked at last year's statistics and point, you know, and half point with PPR and Chris Carson basically only had two games where he scored over 24 points or over 20 points, I should say. Um, you know, part of it was he was got banged up, but I also think that his upside is a little more limited. While I think Montgomery was very productive and can be involved in all facets, a little bit in, I'm a little bit worried about Chris Carson becoming second fiddle in that offense and that offense being more, more revolved around Russell Wilson. Yeah, but here's my thing about that Chris Carson's actually in position to just be a bell cow for this team. They paid him as such. I think he is going to be a very safe player. I'm actually really big on him because I think he actually has sneaky top 12 potential because of the volume he might be seeing in what should be a high-scoring offense. And I think you're going to see a lot more targets out of him, too, to build up that safe floor. So I went with Carson there. I, again, they're close to my rankings, though. After that, George Kittle coming off the board. And then my pick came up. I was happier <laughs> than a pig in a trough because DeAndre Swift falls to me in the third round, who I was contemplating that second round territory with Najee Harris and J.K. Dobbins. So getting DeAndre Swift there in the third round as my third running back, as my flex play, I didn't plan on going three running backs deep in this draft, but this is the point. Draft the best value available to you, no matter the position, because it will tend to work out. Now, all of a sudden, I'm looking at Kamara, Najee Harris, DeAndre Swift. I love the receivers still coming up in the next few rounds. Makes me very, very excited for that. But loving DeAndre Swift there in the mid-round for myself. Darren Waller comes out the board. That wraps up the top three tight ends. That has been a consistent theme where the top three tight ends have been going in the first three rounds. Keenan Allen, Justin Jefferson. We get a run on wide receivers. Josh Allen, second quarterback. Again, that's too high. Third round, too high for a quarterback. Don't make that mistake. Let somebody else make that mistake, MD Nation. Tanner McLaurin comes off the board. Josh Jacobs, Mike Evans, Allen Robinson. Then we start to see Miles Sanders and Dale Henderson. Chris, talk about the value of getting Miles, Miles Sanders and Dale Henderson in the fourth round in this situation. Yeah, I mean, you got tremendous. You guys got people basically of RB2 potential. 
you guys who are going to be excellent flex options for this line, their lineups. And you look at these two guys that I think they're basically going where they should in a lot of ways. Miles Sanders to me has some concerns, red flags. Um, you know, he's already talked about him and being splitting time in training camp and not being really utilized in the passing game as much as he had been in the past. And we kind of saw that last year. This guy only had 28 catches last year. Um, so then you could also add the fact that you know, maybe there's some upside with Jalen Hurts. The offense has kind of had more continuity. But I think Miles Sanders in the fourth round is a nice value, but I don't think it's an overvalue. No, that's about where you want to get guys like that, where there is some risk with a Miles Sanders. And I know a lot of people call the fourth round the running back dead zone. But when there's value, there's value. He should have the volume. I'm, I don't believe in Boston Scott. I know he's been struggling a little bit with drops. I know Kenneth Gainwell is there, but again, Kenneth Gainwell, as long as Boston Scott's on the roster, I question if Kenneth Gainwell will be anything more than a special teams player, at least for the first half of the season. This offense is going to have to revolve around Jalen Hurts running the football and Miles Sanders in the backfield. They don't have much else to go to. Remember, Devonta Smith, he's dealing with a knee sprain. Who knows where he's going to be to kick off the season as far as his development goes. There's just a lot of question marks in general for this Eagles. They still have a good offensive line. This is Miles Sanders' last chance, and I tend to take chances on running backs who are on their last leg to prove themselves because usually speaking, even if they don't perform great, the team has no qualms about using them up and spitting them out if they have to. So I think the volume is actually going to be there for Miles Sanders this year. Now, after that, we had Julio Jones, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper all coming off the board. Seeing that more and more, the Dallas wide receivers coming off in the fourth round, tremendous value there. We see Kyler Murray come off for Team 7. Robert Woods, which pissed me off because I thought I was going to get Robert Woods in this pick. Chris Godwin, but then I came back, I took the other Rams wide receiver, and I took Cooper Cup. I want pieces of this Rams offense with Matthew Stafford on it. I think we're going to see an offense that was even better than it was in 2018, which of course was the highlight of the Rams offense. Then with Matthew Stafford under center, I mean, I love Robert Woods. I've talked about him before. I have him in my top 10 of wide receivers. I think he truly is going to be a low end wide receiver one and Cooper cup. I think is as strong as a wide receiver two as you're going to find. And ultimately where they mix into Sean Jackson or Van Jefferson or Tutu Atwell later on in the season, whatever the case may be, the offense is going to revolve around Matthew Stafford, Robert Woods, and Cooper Cup. I think ultimately at the end of the day, I love the floor here. Am I crazy about him being my wide receiver one in this instance? No. Was I hoping for somebody with a little more upside? Yes. But I think he's as safe as they come. And he's a high-end wide receiver too. And I'll pair him up with my three strong running backs here to get that ball rolling. Yeah, I think it's a smart move. Thank you. I appreciate that. DJ Moore comes off the board after that. Lamar Jackson. So we had four quarterbacks in four rounds. This is this is like a true... I mean, I actually kind of appreciate this because this is shaping up like a true home league. Because in home leagues, you're going to see this. People love the quarterback position. They see how many points they score. They get enamored with the name. And that's fine. Look, fantasy football, you have to have fun with it. You got to get players on your team that you like. But if you actually want to win... Play the value right. We're just going to keep on harping that point. But this is shaping up to what I think a lot of home leagues out there are going to kind of be dealing with. So, Chris, your next pick, you went with Deontay Johnson. I like that pick, too. I was debating between him and a Cooper Cup. I know you're trying to figure out your first fifth-round pick. Uh, so I don't know if you want me to give me an analysis on Deontay Johnson while you figure that out or not. I'll, I'll yeah, I'm, Go ahead. I was going to say, I just think Deontay Johnson is a player to me that's on the uprise. I see a lot of Stefan Diggs attributes in this guy. I think this is going to be his receiving core. You know, people were kind of concerned about Pittsburgh's offense. I'm actually excited about their offense. I love the change in coordinators. I think this guy's going to be a monster this year. And to me, 
one of the guys that I have looking for an upside receiver. While I agree with you, he's not my ideal number one receiver. I want somebody who I'm kind of looking for a breakout season, but has a safe floor as well. Yeah, Deontay Johnson, I mean, look, there's debate with me and a lot of other people out there between Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster, who's the number two on that team. There's some debate on the offensive volume in general. You know, are they going to truly run the ball a lot more? I've argued on this show that I think they might be in a position to run the ball more effectively, not necessarily a ton more in volume. I still believe this is a team that's going to have plus 600 pass attempts because they essentially do. And it's not going to stop revolving around Ben Roethlisberger with Matt Kanata as the offensive coordinator. So I love Deontay Johnson, but he is solidified to me as the wide receiver one of this team. I do think he's better than what he showed last year as far as the drops go, but he's a true target monster. And I'm going to take a guy like that to be my safe wide receiver one, especially in a team that loaded up on running back and you continue to trend and decide to go with Chase Edmonds there in the fifth pick, fifth round pick. Yeah, I'm kind of trying to like, Make sure that I have those, you know, lockdown running back positions and the guys that have versatility. They're involved in both facets of the game. Chase Edmonds to me might be a little bit of a reach there in the fifth. I was considering looking at a quarterback. I think this is where you start thinking about one of the top tier quarterbacks, or you're looking at, you know, another receiver. For me, the receivers aren't lots splits between the guys I look at running back, where I think there's going to be a run net coming up because all those teams went you know, hard on receiver early on. So I was expecting Chase Edmonds to probably be off the board when he came back around. So I kind of jumped on him now. So after that, Travis Etienne goes. We actually have some news we're going to talk about with Travis Etienne tomorrow. Does Way have some high. upside. Does have some upside. I do think I'm with you, though. That is too high. Everything that's coming out of the Jaguars camp right now has to leave you with the impression that at least early on in the season, he's not going to get the opportunities you'd want him to get as far as carries go. Now, I still believe that a first-round running back, and given that this regime did not bring in James Robinson. I don't think at any point he's been too enthralled with James Robinson. I do believe he has the potential by the end of the season to either take over or at least be in a 50-50 split when it comes to the carries. We know he's going to be the primary pass catcher, so he has that floor with him, with some of that upside to potentially be a league winner. However, if you're taking him in the fifth-round pick, you're usually taking him to be a contributor as far as he might be your RB2 or at least a flex play. Now, in this case, Team 2, that's their fourth running back that they took. So in this case, he would actually probably be on their bench, but that's still too high for a guy that you might get half the season production out of. But because Urban Meyer is a new head coach and there's some unpredictability there, I honestly say I don't know if I would be totally shocked if he stuck to his word of James Robinson, Carlos Hyde, and then Travis Etienne, even though they spent a first-round pick on him. So that's the one variable there where I think that might be a little bit too high. And again, stretching that point, because Travis Etienne is going to be one of those guys that's going to be a, 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 a key player, I believe, in a lot of home drafts. So, Chris, you, you said on your breath you think that's too high. I'm with you there. That's too high. MD Nation, let someone else make that mistake in the fifth round. Go ahead. Do you have anything you want to say about that? Yeah, I just think there's other options of guys who are clearly going to be involved or the starters on their backfield. Even looking for a young guy with upside, you have a Javante Williams still going to be on the board who I think actually has more of a clear-cut you know, opportunity to be the guy or at least splitting carries off the you know, off the get. We know that we already heard what Urban Meyer is kind of doing. We already hear out of practice. Yeah, ATN's been, ATN's been very focused and you know, involved in the passing game. This isn't a full-point PPR league. And on top of it, you're looking for a running back who you're basically maybe going to get eight to nine good games out of throughout the season when you're still trying to still build your roster. So I'm not taking a shot on a guy where I just have too many question marks and not a clear, clear opportunity. 
Yeah, I agree with you there. Miles Gaskin came off the board, and they got back to my pick in the fifth round. And I, I did this last week. I've done this in every mock draft I've been in. I've done this in every draft that I've been in. Fifth round, for me, it's an automatic. My finger hits Tyler Lockett. Automatically. Automatically. Had 100 catches, guys. Everyone, I, I'm going to just keep hopping on this point. You are missing the big picture if you are only focusing on the inconsistency of last year, of his part. Yes, it was boomer bust. Yes, Tyler Lockett has always been a boomer bust product to some degree. Last year was on a whole other level as far as his boomer bust product goes. And it was the Seattle offense in general that was incredibly inconsistent from one half of the season to the other. This offense is built around DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And even if DK Metcalf is the number one target this year, it doesn't matter. It's still, it's a Robert Woods, a Cooper Cup situation where both of these guys are going to be heavily involved on a week-to-week basis. He can't be any more inconsistent than he was last season, and he still finished the wide receiver nine. Now, I know he didn't play like that way every single week, but Tyler Lockett in the fifth round with the upside that he has within this offense because people are sleeping on him so much. You're still talking about a guy who could finish in the top 10 again this year. I'd be two years in a row. So I love Tyler Lockett here to pair him up with Cooper Cup. Give me that upside with my strong group of running backs. I don't know why people are hating on him the way that they are, a 100-catch wide receiver who always gets eight-plus touchdowns, it seems like, every single season. But I'm hitting there. Is there anything you want to say about Tyler Lockett, Chris? Because I feel like I'm always harping on him. No, I think you're making some excellent points. And also add the fact that they're bringing in an offensive coordinator that's known for featuring – basically the slot receiver in a lot of ways. We've seen Rich Woods be successful. We've seen Cooper Cup be successful. So you're bringing in that Ram system over here for a Tyler Lockett who makes, you know, basically a, is custom made for that kind of system and a guy who has been productive and will be involved heavily. You know, we're not worried about Elkridge still in any kind of his volume. You don't really have a key guy anywhere else is going to be still in his volume. It's going to be him and DK. So I don't see this Tyler Lockett hatred. I understand that he was a little consistent last year and had some big games and some games he wasn't and didn't do so well. But I think that's actually going to improve this year because of the new changes in coordinator. He's my wide receiver 17, and I'm getting him in the fifth round. That's what makes, excites me so much there. After that, we see Adam Thielen come off the board. That's about the range I've been expecting. Kyle Pitts in the fifth round. Kyle Pitts in the fifth round is too high. If you're drafting a tight end in the fifth round, he has to finish as a top five tight end. We've talked about this point all offseason. I'll continue to stress it. Don't draft players at their ceiling. And if you're drafting Kyle Pitts in the fifth round, you are drafting him at his ceiling. There is still a laundry list of evidence about rookie tight ends not performing to that level. There's only been two rookie tight ends who have finished in the top five in the last 10 years. Kyle Pitts, I love the talent. He's in a good situation, for sure. But I'd rather take this guy in the seventh, eighth round territory where you have a much better chance to get a return back on your investment than taking him in the fifth round, where you have these wide receivers who are very strong wide receiver two area with some upside in the situation, or even the cliff at running back starts to fall off here. Much more vital positions at this part in the draft than taking a Kyle Pitts, which you're taking purely on potential, not on reasonable expectations. I have Kyle Pitts. I actually just moved him up a little bit. Now, I had him kind of ranked facetiously, uh, at 12 for a little while, just to kind of stress the point there to MD Nation. I moved him up to tight end seven. That's where I believe his value should be. That's where I believe his value should stay. That's where you should draft him. You especially shouldn't be going ahead of guys like Mark Andrews, who went with the next pick after that. Then we saw Kareem Hunt come off the board as Team 8's RB1. I don't like him as an RB1, 
But I do think Kareem Hunt is somebody who still has RB2 potential throughout the season because he performed as a high-level RB2 even when Nick Chubb was on the field last year. This is one of the few backfields where I could play Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and feel okay about that. Then TJ Hawkinson comes off the board. That's about the territory. I have him neck and neck with Mark Andrews. Justin Herbert coming off the board fifth round. Talk about a curveball. Chris, we talked about Justin Herbert being our number one bust. What do you think about him coming off in the fifth round in this mock draft? That is kind of where his ADP is right now. And I think part of that is, you know, we talked about why we think he's the bust because of the This is the first time I've seen him in the fifth round. I haven't seen him go this high. He's been going around fifth, sixth round, but I also think the computer's kind of creating its own run. And maybe that's what you're seeing some reaches at the tight end position and the quarterback position as a result of that. Your guys are starting to kind of creep off the board more often and more early than we kind of expected. So the computer's kind of reacting maybe to that kind of thing where they're trying to reach. And I think that's something MD Nation needs to kind of keep in mind. Even if there's a player who goes on a run up a certain position, don't feel pressured to jump on getting inside. Like you talk about the Kyle Pitts situation. I think part of that is when you look at the board, you know, Andrew should definitely should have won after it and before him, but there was also a clear drop off after the tight ends after that. So maybe you get a little nervous and you jump on a guy too early. I think that's something you just you never do want to do. You want to take the best player available on the board for you, and you want to make sure that you're loaded, you're lost up. You can always make you know trades as the season progresses, or you can double down on somewhere else where you get you know potential guys. Maybe get two tight ends that have upside, and you're able to kind of match a Kyle Pitts' production, but you're only wasting a 13th and 14th round pick instead. Yeah, and I think you made an excellent point there as far as draft tips go uh, with a player like that in that situation. So. That is a good point. Good learning experience. After that, we saw, I'm trying to get caught up here, Jamar Chase come off the board in the fifth round. Some reason to be a little bit concerned about the Cincinnati Bengals right now. We're going to talk about a little bit more in tomorrow's show, but he coming off at the fifth round there. And then we had uh, Michael Thomas. That's too high. Again, this computer drafting, though, fifth round. You want to take a shot on Michael Thomas? I'm all about it. We talked about in this show how we think he could be a league winner for you somewhere down the road. Fifth round's too high. You got to wait till the eighth round earliest. I would I would prefer to take him in a ninth, tenth round if somebody's going to sell my IR spot because we still don't know exactly how he's going to return from that foot injury. After that, Dak Prescott, Mike Davis, Kenny Galladay, Brandon Ayuk, Raheem Mostert. I Raheem Mostert's been one of those guys that I've put some emphasis on in some of these drafts where I don't have a problem taking him in the sixth round. Are you going to have him all year? No. You take him with the idea that you have a guy that, while he's healthy, can be an explosive flex RB2 play. You have to back yourself up. Now, whether you want to draft a Trey Sermon another round or two later or just taking another running back option, that's up to you. I'm okay with taking Trey Sermon here because he's one of those handcuffs that, to me, aren't really a handcuff. He kind of falls in line with the Kareem Hunt status of, I think you're actually going to play even when everybody's healthy. And then when you know Mostert inevitably goes down, you're going to have a lot of work load in front of you on top of that, but just make sure you have another option. But I like Raheem Moser if you're, especially if you're doing like a modified zero running back strategy, he's one of those guys I like to pinpoint and take my shot on because he can give you RB1 level production because of the way he can hit those big plays while you have him on the field. Again, you have to have other options, but he's one of those guys I look at in that kind of a situation. After that, Odell Beckham comes off the board. I don't know if I love him here in the sixth round, but again, another one of those guys, he's, he's an ultimate wild card. Russell Wilson, T. Higgins. Then it gets back to my pick. I'm going to pause the draft here for a split second so that we can talk about this and get caught up. I took Javante Williams here. I took Javante Williams over Melvin Gordon. Now, I want to be clear about something. And I have Javante Williams ranked ahead of Melvin Gordon, by the way. To start the season, I do believe Melvin Gordon 
is going to be the lead guy. I still think it's going to be 55, 45, 60, 40 split between the two, regardless of who the starter is. But I fully expect by the end of the year, Javante Williams to take over this job. Chris, what's your take on that Denver Bronco running back? Yeah, I think that you make a great point. I think this is going to be Javante Williams' backfield eventually. I don't think it'll ever be clearly his backfield because we've kind of seen Denver use multiple backs over the last few years. I think that's kind of what they want to do. And I think that when it comes down to it, Melvin Gordon's not going to go away. He's getting paid a decent amount of money. Um, I think he'll be involved more in a third down situation and maybe use more of a pass catcher. And I think that you're going to see Javante Williams clearly have that Philip Rimsey role early on, but maybe grow into more. So I think that Melvin Gordon doesn't go away, but I think Javante Williams is a guy that I love the upside as the season progresses. And I love him as fit in Denver. I just think that some guy you're going to kind of wait on a little bit, you know, the play and kind of see how things unfold versus a guy that you're so guaranteed that you just throw out there. Similar to an ETN in a lot of ways, but I think has more upside. Well, I think he's going to be definitely more involved as far as carries goes earlier on the season than, than ETN is too. That, that's one of the things there. It's kind of a more solidified foundation. I also want to talk about the strategy of this pick. Now, we're going to start three receivers in this lineup. And I only had two at this point. I had three running backs strong there. But the reason I go Javante Williams instead of taking my third receiver in that spot is because you're going to start to see that drop-off right about there. Right about the sixth, seventh round, you're going to see that drop-off at running back. I wanted to make sure I had a fourth running back with some upside before I start to take guys to just fill out the rest of my roster. And that's another point here, too. I am looking in the starting from like the sixth, seventh round on. Once I have my core group of guys, I'm drafting for more upside. I might be taking more risk, but I'm drafting for more upside. But again, that goes back to why I harped on the DeAndre Swift, Najee Harris point in the second round. That's why I'd rather play it safe early on to make sure that core is intact so I can take these shots later on for guys that have championship level potential winning ability. That's how you win championships, taking these guys, making having at the very least having trade assets, but having guys who might be able to hit. And all you have to do is hit on a couple of them. Just think about that. Think about your starting lineups for a minute. You have your quarterback. You're usually your two running back positions. A lot of teams, a lot of leagues using three receivers now, tight end, flex, defense kicker. If you have a core, all you need to do is hit on two or three guys in the you know, later half of your draft for you to have a real championship team. And that's why you got to draft, to me, upside in those situations. What do you think about that, Chris? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that you want to make sure that you have a solid roster and a solid core nucleus. But after that, you're kind of looking for guys who are going to win you championships once you get to the playoffs. And I think that you're looking for guys who are going to upside or guys that you can actually use for trade assets. I think that you kind of pointed out there's a big drop off at running back. And running backs usually can fetch a little bit more in trades than the receivers can. So quite often, if you have you know, four right backs are being successful, you could easily take one of those guys and go land yourself a decent receiver, if not a good receiver. So I think that's something that you have to keep in mind. You want to kind of make sure that you have certain positions you know, in place. But I think the upside guys, particularly at running back, are something you definitely want to keep in mind and target. That's really funny here. Team three, team two, right after that went the Steeler wide receivers back to back, Juju Smith-Schuster, and then Chase Claypool. Chris, you came back. You took your first quarterback of this draft in the sixth round. You go with Aaron Rodgers. I have him as my QB 10, I believe. So I would not have him valued at that spot. So why do you go Aaron Rodgers there in the sixth round? Well, MD Nation remembers from last week, you know, I have Aaron Rodgers is tied with Tom Brady as one of my number five quarterback. As I come to quarterback position, a lot of guys are off the board right now. And Aaron Rodgers, to me, everybody kind of expects that there's just going to be this decline, and I don't see it coming. I think this guy's playing the best he's ever played. I think the team's actually going to be better in place. I love the fact that they brought Aaron Jones back, so they continue to have the weapons that they had last year. 
the, you know, the, the offensive lines deteriorated a little bit, which concerns me, but I think that might actually be some upside for Aaron Rodgers when he scrambles around a little bit more. So I love his ability. I love his floor. And this guy has number three, you know, three, number three offense last year. So there's no reason for me not to pass on Aaron Rodgers, for me to pass on Aaron Rodgers. I don't think anybody expected decline. You're just going to expect a normal regression in statistics because he's not going to throw 48 touchdowns again. He never had before. He's not going to do it again this year. There's just going to be a regression as far as that goes. I still have him as a top 10 quarterback. I would be going elsewhere. I'm not ta- I don't know if I want to take even a top 10 quarterback in the sixth round. And that's kind of the other issue there. So we'll see exactly how that plays out. You follow that up then with Cortland Sutton. A guy I think a lot of people are sleeping on. And it's tough. Again, the Denver Broncos situation, when it comes to Cortland Sutton, comes to Jerry Judy, it's a very bittersweet thing, I know, for me, because I love those two wide receivers. I have no idea what to expect out of the quarterback play. Drew Locke is still acting as the starter who has a little bit of an edge in the quarterback competition going on. I think the preseason games are really going to play out as far as who's going to be the starting quarterback between him and Teddy Bridgewater. Uh so it's going to depend there. Don't love that. But we've seen Cortland Sutton come through with shoddy quarterback play up until this point. I think the key more for him is how healthy are you coming off that ACL injury? I love his upside and value here at the seventh round. Although in your case, you're going to be leaning on him as your wide receiver too. So how does that make you feel here? Not too bad because unlike you, I have value quarterback a little bit differently. I'm not necessarily going to land a great receiver too if I'm where I am in the draft depending on what's on the board. So I think I look at the board and I don't really see a clear cut receiver too. I'm going for a guy who has the upside to be receiver two, if not even possibly receiver one. I do have a question with the quarterback position, but we've seen him be successful with Drew Locke already. We've seen him be the top dog alpha dog. And while Judy's a really good receiver and I love him, I think Cortland Sutton's a different kind of breed of receiver, especially in the red zone. So I think this guy has more upside for me where I'm looking for that guy who's going to get me touchdowns, but also kind of has the upside to be something even more. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with any of that as far as what his upside is. He's a, He was this budding superstar. I think people are kind of forgetting that about him. I have him ranked, I think, in the high-end wide receiver three territory. That's about where he's going to. So seventh round is right in line with that kind of value. After that, Dallas Goddard came off the board for team two. I was big on Dallas Goddard. I have not moved him down in my rankings yet. I kind of want to see how preseason plays out. But the reports coming out of camp is basically, and not totally shocking because Devonta Smith's been out, but basically, Jalen Hurts is just targeting crap at a tight end position, but it's not always Dallas Goddard. Apparently, Zachers and Dallas Goddard are both getting a ton of targets, making this impression that Zachers isn't going away, which kind of makes me feel a little bit uneasy about having Dallas Goddard as my tight end six right about now and would make me feel a little bit uneasy about drafting him in the seventh round. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that is something that, you know, Right now, it's some of the teams are seeming to be trying to fill positions. Um, we kind of talked about that before, about not necessarily jumping on a guy too early. I have concerns about Dallas Goddard, too. I do like the upside. I think he's the more talented of the two tight ends in Philadelphia. But Zach Ertz has not gone away. and continues to be on the field. We did see the Colts kind of use a lot of two tight end sets and not really have a featured guy, per se. So maybe this becomes a situation in the Eagles with the new coaching changes. So I do have some concerns about going that high. I do see there's you know more guys that are kind of off the board. So when you look at the value there, it's kind of hard to judge in some senses because some of these guys are going so much higher than they probably should have. You're kind of, you want to fill a position. You maybe get a little bit desperate and start jumping on some guys a little earlier than you probably want to. 
David Johnson comes off the board after that. We're going to talk about him in tomorrow's show. Make sure you tune in for that at Belly Up MD FF Show on social media or on YouTube or on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network at WWSRN. We'll be talking about him during the Best Five, Bus Five, Sleeper Five running back episode. I take Will Fuller. Now, I don't feel great about winding up with Will Fuller as my third receiver in a league where you're starting three wide receivers. But again, I'm just going to take the upside here because my core is intact. I'm going to take other guys there to plug and play. Obviously, I need somebody for week one. I am a little bit concerned that he has not practiced up until this point with a foot issue, being that it's a new team and a new system, and I want him to get those reps in. It's Will Fuller who has the injury history. But I do believe that once he is good to go, he will be the number one receiver for the Dolphins. I do believe the Dolphins will be a bigger play type of team this year. So I'm going to go with the upside of a Will Fuller here, the seventh round pick. After that, Melvin Gordon, it's a nice value there, comes off in the seventh round. DJ Chark, James Robinson, Ronald Jones coming off. We know how we feel about the Tampa Bay running backs. I don't think any one of them should be coming off before the ninth round. Debo Samuel, Damian Harris, Noah Fant come off the board. Jerry Judy to cap off the seventh round. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side. We got the last eight rounds we're going to do, uh, go through that a little more quickly because then we got the mailbag segment for you guys at the end of the show. So make sure you stay tuned here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network at WWSRN to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, and we will be back right after these messages. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, also presented to you by Belly Up Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with Chris Dauhauer as we're bringing you the Half Point Mock Draft 12-man league to help go over some strategies, value some of these players, you know, everything that you pretty much need to know to get ready for your drafts because it is that season. It is Christmas season for us fantasy football experts out here. We also went over some breaking news earlier on in the show, and tomorrow we'll be back with the best five, bus five, sleeper five running backs so make sure you tune back in at 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network at Belly Up and the FF Show on social media and YouTube. And, of course, we have the mailbag segment for you at the end of today's segment. And this second half of the show, I want to let you guys all know, is going to be brought to you by Symbol. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L. Symbol is the best innovative gambling app out there today, guys. You know why? It's different than everything else. It's different than any other app that's going to be out there that you play sports gambling on. Because all you do is you buy stocks. You buy stocks. You purchase them. You sell them. You trade them. It's where Wall Street meets sports gambling. And when you lose, when your team loses, you don't lose money. It all, all that matters is the value of your team's share. You win a little bit of a payout every time they win. And as they continue to win and move to the championship, you win more and more. It puts the sportsbook edge back into your pocket as the player. And now, if you use the promo code MDS Fantasy, you're going to get a $10 deposit bonus of up to $10 or more. So go ahead, click the app, get some free money, have some fun, and download it at symbol.app or on your Play Store app. Again, that's MD Fantasy for the promo code of a $10 deposit bonus or 
more. Love these guys. They're going to be with us throughout the entire season. Uh, cause I, I really have a lot of fun actually getting their apps and, and, and buying purchases and stocks of my teams. And it's a lot of fun. It's a lot different too, which is kind of what I appreciate about it as well. All right, Chris, we got to get back to this mock draft. And hopefully the clock did not run out on me. It almost, it almost did. We got to pause that for a second. So we came back out into the eighth round here and coming out, well, coming out strong, frankly, uh, right off the bat, you had Jarvis Landry. That's a nice pick. I mean, if anything happens to OBJ, we know Jarvis Landry's the guy. Everybody always sleeps on Jarvis Landry, but he's that solid flex play, that wide receiver three you can plug and play and know you're going to get a decent floor out of. No problem there in the eighth round. People are bored by him like they're bored by Juju, like they're bored by Tyler Boyd, but the fact is these guys find a way to produce at a decent level every single year. Tom Brady coming off the board the eighth round, then Leonard Fournette, Jalen Hurts, Robbie Anderson, Tyler Boyd, who I just talked about there. Trey Sermon coming off the eighth round. That's about where I've been seeing him go. Uh, the unofficial first depth chart came out. It had him number two, so he did officially jump Wayne Gallman on the depth chart regardless of an injury. We're kind of waiting for that to be official. So that looks like Trey Sermon will be the number two. I think he will be involved on a game-to-game basis, and he does have the upside of Raheem Mostert getting injured, him taking a lot of the work. I don't know what he's ever going to give you in the passing game, but Chris, you and I have made this comparison that we think he has a real chance to be an Alfred Morris type. Matthew Stafford comes off the board. That's a little high, in my opinion, at the eighth round. And then we get to my pick to kick it off in the eighth round. And I thought I was going to go wide receiver again because I still need them, but I didn't. I went with Michael Carter. And I went with Michael Carter because getting him, the possibility of getting him as my fifth running back was just too good to give up. Absolutely. there's He has the ups. He's an RB3. He's a solid flex play every single week. I believe he has mid-level RB2 upside behind what I think is going to be a better offensive line than what people anticipate out of the New York Jets. A great scheme for a Michael Carter style of runner. And then on top of it, I think they're making a little bit too big of the news coming out of the Jets camp about Zach Wilson and you know training camp struggles and practice struggles as a rookie quarterback who doesn't have a ton of top-notch weapons. But they are going to try to take some pressure off the rookie quarterback. They're going to do that with the running game. And even if Tevin Coleman gets sprinkled in and Ty Johnson gets sprinkled in, Michael Carter is head and shoulders the best running back and will definitely be the guy who gets the pass-catching work on top of that. So I think he has the floor there. What do you think about my Michael Carter pick, Chris? I mean, I was definitely jealous there because I was praying to God he'd fall to me there. Um, I'm, I think Michael Carter That's the other reason I took him because I knew you would. Michael Carter, I think, is a steal of the draft right now. I mean, in my opinion, you pointed it out. I think he's at least an RB3. Definitely a valuable good flex play. He's got a good floor because he's involved heavily in the passing game. This guy's very explosive. One of the top running backs in clean explosive plays last year. We've already seen him play as a tandem and be, be a productive guy, even though he shared time in the backfield with Javante Williams. So it's not something new to him, kind of splitting carries. I love this guy. I think this guy's going to have outstanding value, and I think it was a home run pick by you. I appreciate that. Again, taking don't be afraid to take the best player available. I know in this instance, you know, you're looking at the roster and you're saying, like, well, your wide receiver three is so weak, you need some depth at wide receiver. Look, I'm low. There's a reason too why I load up at running back and wide receiver, why I wait at quarterback, why if I don't get a top three tight end, I'm going to wait at tight end position. Because running back wide receiver position, if you load up there enough. You're going to be set. You're going to be fine because you can find value. I can find streaming tight ends left and right. I can find streaming quarterbacks left and right. But you can't always find those running backs and wide receivers, which ultimately is what winds up winning your championship at the end of the day, I believe. So that's a strategy I'm adopting here, which is why I just continue to take the best player available to me. 
after Michael Carter goes Curtis Samuel, LaVisca Chenault. And then, Chris, we get to you. You go Antonio Brown and Brandon Cooks back-to-back. I was hoping one of those guys would fall to me in the next round, so you stipe me on both of those guys there. Yeah, I was looking to kind of solidify my receiver position and give me solid options. We've talked in other shows about how much we both really think Antonio Brown and, and the other shows we actually had as well. Antonio Brown's a value that we think that's basically being overlooked in a lot of ways. He was very productive as the season progressed for Tampa Bay last year, one of the leaders in targets. This guy's not going to go away. You know, Tom Brady loves guys who run good routes, loves guys who can be open when he expects them to be open, and a guy who definitely should be one of the top guys in that offense. So I love Antonio Brown. And then Brandon Cooks, while we might differ on kind of our points of view of Brandon Cooks, how successful he'd be, I think none of us disagree that he is pretty much the only weapon on the Texans that you might even consider taking. Um, because he's one of the guys he should be the you know, receiver one clearly. He's been successful in the past, and no matter who the quarterback is, other than Davis Mills, hopefully not. Um, <clears throat> Tyrod Taylor has shown in the past he will feature the number one receiver. So that's somebody that I think has a decent floor. Maybe the upside's a little bit limited, but the guy I not I can stick out of receiver two or three in some weeks and be okay with it. Yeah, I moved him up my board actually recently a little bit to a. From being a high-end wide receiver four, I got him into the top 36, so I have him more as a low-end wide receiver three. Kind of just going off what you're saying, Tyra Taylor can feature one wide receiver. I do believe Taylor will be the starting quarterback because Davis Mills is an absolute scrub. I think the Texans are trying to figure that out right now. So I do think Taylor actually might be in a position to start all 17 games, especially go back to what we talked about early on the show, which is we have no idea what they're doing with Deshaun Watson. It doesn't seem like they have any interest in playing him. So I do think Brandon Cooks there has a safe floor. Love Antonio Brown in the eighth round. He kind of like Tyler Lockett has been my automatic pick in the ninth. But I think people are, like you did in this instance, taking him to back in the eighth round, are starting to draft him a little bit earlier, recognizing that, you know what, this guy has every reason to be a top 24 wide receiver in fantasy football purposes, and he keeps sliding to the back half of drafts. So I love the pick there, too. After that, we saw Devonta Smith come off. Some upside there. Zach Moss dealing with the hamstring issue. We'll talk about him a little bit more next week. And then got back to me. I made a boo-boo here. I did. I made a boo-boo. I took Jalen Waddle. I should have taken Michael Gallup. That's what I should have done. I didn't realize he was still on the board. I have Michael Gallup a little bit higher because the upside that he just has. I want pieces of that Dallas offense. Even though he's a wide receiver three, uh, the upside there. But I take Jalen Waddle for this reason. I already have Will Fuller. So I'm going to take the guy who's going to be starting week one. So I have somebody to play there. But also, again, at the end of the year, because of Will Fuller's injury history, I still have Jalen Waddle as the most productive Dolphins wide receiver by the end of the year. I have him as wide receiver three. Given his skill set, he does have big time upside, of course. He has explosive skill set. I think he could if he's healthy enough. And I, I do think there's some concerns there with that he's still, still dealing with the ankle issue. But I'll give him this. He hasn't missed practice time in training camp. He has been getting the reps still, so that's good to know. He's been developed. He already has the rapport with Tua Tagovailoa going back to college, which I think helps him out quite a bit there too. And I'm not worried about Devontae Parker because we just didn't see much chemistry between those two last year. So it would take Jalen Wild to kind of back up my Will Fuller pick. So when Will Fuller ultimately goes down, I have the other big play number one receiver threat in my mind in a Jalen Wild, and I like the fact that he's going to have an opportunity to play in the slot, quite frankly. So I like my pick there. What do you, what do you think about my Jalen Wall pick there, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a good pick. I think Jalen Wall does a little question marks about the you know, health-wise, but as a player, once he is healthy, he's one of the explosive players in this draft coming out. A guy that has unlimited upside in a lot of ways, has played with two in the previous you know stops, 
and it can actually produce when Will Fuller is returning and is out there with them. So it's not like guys can disappear or Will Fuller's can disappear. You can have a lineups where you can play both these guys. Or what I like about it a lot is it's going to give you the option that depending on your matchup, you can kind of decide which guy you want to go with. I'm a big proponent of that. Sometimes you see a lockdown corner locked up on a certain guy that you know the second receiver is going to be the one who's featured that game. And you can kind of you know throw the one guy to the wolves in a sense and let the other guy kind of eat. So maybe Will Fuller is going to be seeing you know, Jalen Ramsey one week. So you can kind of just, you know play a Jalen Waddle, knowing that guy is going to be the guy who's going to get the heavy you know part of the targets that game. All right, picking up the pace here a little bit while Chris makes his next pick. James Conner coming off the board, nice value there in the ninth round. Logan Thomas. Then we got Mike Asicki start to get a little bit of a run at tight end coming up. AJ Dillon, Robert Tanyan comes off the board. I like to see him there because he's somebody who's been getting slept on quite a bit. Kenyon Drake. Then we get Ryan Tannehill, Joe Burrow. We start to get these tier of quarterbacks as we get later on here. Marquise Brown coming off. That was, I think, a mistake. I don't think there's any reason to draft Marquise Brown this year. Michael Gallup comes off in the 10th round. Absolute steal. Trevor Lawrence. Then Mike Williams. Michael Pittman. Devin Singletary, who I think is a nice pick there in the 10th round, given Zach Moss's injury history. He's injured right now with a hamstring issue. There's a chance that Devin Singletary will have a few games this year. Well, he'll be the workhorse back when he is that. He's at least a flex play in that situation in the 10th round. So I think he's one of those higher end handcuffs. You want to take the round out your running back room. I think you're okay there. Corey Davis with the sixth pick. Gus Edwards comes off. And then we get back to my pick. And again, I was looking for upside at wide receiver. But because there was a run at the tight ends here late, I talk about all the time, I want to get one of my sleeper tight ends. I have a certain cutoff point. Tyler Higby is my cutoff point for me because he's one of my top sleeper tight ends because I have him ranked actually as tight end seven. I am big with Matthew Stafford and his Rams offense. I am big on Tyler Higby having a return to fantasy glory, what he had during that five-week stretch with no Gerald Everett for the entire season, a quarterback who likes to go to the tight end in the red zone, and an offense in general I think will be high scoring. Tight ends kind of like running back in that way where if you get a high-scoring offense tight end, you have a chance for a guy to finish in the top 12 any given week because he just has the red zone upside any given week. Tyler Higby's that guy for me. So that's why I went Higby there. That's kind of one of my cutoff tight end points. Marvin Jones comes off the board. Rob Gronkowski. Chris, you come back and snipe what I was going to be my second tight end to kind of go with that. Janu Smith there. Talk about Janu Smith there in the 10th round pick. Yeah, we've had this conversation off air a couple of times about Janu Smith and not really understanding people's value of Janu Smith and what they're looking at. I think this guy's a high explosive guy, you know, player, a guy that's going to be heavily featured in the Patriots. They paid him a lot of money. Um, Cam Newton traditionally loves to throw to his tight end, so I do think he's going to be the starting quarterback this year. And even if Matt Jones takes over, it's not like this for tight end either. Junior Smith is a mismatch. He's probably one of the more explosive players on the offense and the guy that's going to be utilized already in the red zone we've seen before. So to me, he's a steal, and I think he's a guy that I'm really excited about having. And then what was your next pick? Then I kind of followed it up. I was a little bit debating whether I should not. I should kind of load up the tight end position that kind of you talked about, making sure you have something on lockdown. Um, but I went with Jamal Williams. I think this is a guy that we talked about, you know, Swift's concerns about the hamstring. Is, is he going to be fully healthy? And a guy who's already been talked about by the coaching staff as their, you know, running back one. Um, so I think that's something that I kind of keep in mind. A guy has kind of been utilized in multiple ways. He can catch the ball about the backfield. Not the most explosive player, but he can be utilized in the red zone as well. So this guy has good deep value. My fifth running back, basically somebody I'm kind of having an insurance as my running back positions will be locked on lockdown or somebody has this, an injury situation with a John Drew Swift, for example, I can use to kind of trade to upgrade. 
Like it there, like it there. Uh, one of my top handcuffs to go after and draft too. I think you might actually have some flexibility in any given week as well, being that the entire offense will have to be circling around the running back position. After that, Darnell Mooney comes off Devontae Parker. We get back to my pick, and I need some upside at wide receiver. I decide to go with T.Y. Hilton. because I talked about this early on in the show with the Carson Wentz news. I do believe T.Y. Hilton is a boomer bust type of wide receiver this year. I think he's going to have fantasy value. I think he's still that type of guy who can win you any given week. Do I want to start him every single week? No, I don't want to start him every single week, but I'm going to put him into a rotation here for my third wide receiver spot because my flex spot is going to be occupied by a running back barring injury with this team any given week. So I'm going to take T.Y. Hilton. I'm going to take the guys who can possibly win me weeks and play them based off a matchup. I do believe a Carson Wentz. T.Y. Hilton will be a much better version of himself than he was a year ago. I don't think it was that Hilton fell off a cliff athletic-wise. I think he had a quarterback who couldn't throw the ball down the field anymore, and that's a big part of his game still to this day that Wentz helps out with. So I like Wentz uh, Hilton there with the 11th-round pick. After that, Irv Smith comes off. Then we see Tony Pollard, Naeem Hines, Rashad Bateman. Again, I just I don't get these Baltimore wide receivers being drafted, especially don't understand, especially given the circumstances – and again, this is a computer mock draft, so we have curveballs getting thrown in here. But I especially don't understand Marquise Brown and Rashad Bateman getting drafted over a Sammy Watkins. We see Matt Ryan come off the board, Latavius Murray, Henry Ruggs, Hunter Henry, who's dealing with his hamstring issue. We'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow. Adam Troutman, who's another one of my big-time uh, sleeper tight ends. So Team 12 protecting their Hunter Henry investment, getting a sleeper tight end, and Adam Troutman, who's in a great position to get a lot of work. Nelson Aguilar, Miko Hardman, Philip Lindsay comes off the board, Baker Mayfield. You see, Justin Fields comes off the board at the 12th round. That's too high for Justin Fields. Now, it comes out to Team 7. They do have Kyler Murray, so they already have their quarterback, so I understand they're taking it for sleeper upside down the road. But Justin, we don't know when Justin Fields is going to start. I don't see a reason why you're drafting a guy like that in the 12th round. You want to take a shot on him 14, 15, 16 rounds, somewhere in that territory with the pair up with your quarterback, fine. But I'm not taking guys... 12th round over running backs and wide receivers and sleeper tight ends who I don't know when he's going to start. Now I'll say this as far as like the fields, Lance, Mac Jones fiasco. uh, I do think he is the guy who's in the most prime position where I know you're going to overtake Andy Dalton at some point this season where the other two, I don't know if you're definitely going to overtake your starters this year, but still a little too high for a guy who's not even starting yet. Elijah Moore comes off the board after that. Then we see Alexander Madison. And now we get back to my pick. Chris, do you have any thoughts on Justin Fields why I make my pick? Yeah, I think you make a good point. I think this is a guy that if you have a good quarterback, maybe you do you know think about taking later or even a little earlier, but it's kind of the computer kind of did. But I think that's somebody that you, you could be a you know a game changer as the season progresses, but you don't want to reach on him, particularly when there's good quarterbacks still on the board and you maybe you fill your roster in. So it's a guy that I do like. I love the upside, but it's also a player that you don't want to reach on if you need other have their needs at that at that time. So I typically don't wait, kind of like tight end, my quarterback position, I usually have a cutoff threshold that I look to try to draft a guy that I have in the top 12, even if it's later on in draft. But in this particular mock draft, we saw the computer go crazy at quarterback. I mean, crazy early at quarterback. Teams are taking multiple quarterbacks already. And this might happen in your home leagues. And that's okay. Because again, it's a position where you can stream it. You can draft late. And I'm going to finally take my first quarterback here. And it's going to be Cam Newton. People are just down on Cam Newton. He's done. He's washed up. I don't disagree with you from a passing standpoint. However, 
last year in 15 games, he still finishes the QB 16. So he still finished a mid-level QB two. He still had a lot of weeks where he was worth playing. He is still going to be a running monster in this team. He's going to start week one. I don't think there's going to be a big push to start Mac Jones unless this team falls off the rails early in the season. And as long as they're about 500, which is what I expect them to kind of be around throughout the year, they're going to be in contention for that next wild card spot. And as long as that continues to be the case, it's going to be Cam in the quarterback position. Having Janu Smith and Hunter Henry is going to be a big upgrade. They're going to be very efficient in the red zone. It's going to ha- help his passing numbers. Even, even though Nelson Aguilar is well, whatever wide receiver to me, it's still an improvement over what they had last year. Yeah, he was done last year. His weapons couldn't be any worse. He can't throw the ball any worse. And he was still QB 16. So I'm taking him as a sleeper who I think has QB 12 potential as far as a game-to-game basis. And I'm pretty much saying, look, I'm going to stream at the position. So I'm just going to take a rushing floor with upside here with Cam Newton in the 12th round as my first quarterback. And you know what? I feel pretty good about that. Go ahead, Chris. Your thoughts. I mean, I, I agree with your Cam points. I think this is something that people expect to kind of fall off a cliff. Having said that, I wouldn't have gone there in the 12th round with him because I think there's a lot of quarterbacks that I think are more valuable or have better, safer floors. So I probably wouldn't have made that pick there. But I don't disagree with it that Cam Newton is a guy that people are seeing to overlook, and they shouldn't because his offense is custom-made for him in a lot of ways. Um, they upgraded the tight end position. Yeah, it's more playmakers on the outside. And the offensive line is definitely significantly improved. So all those things factor in for Cam Newton to be more successful this year than he was last year. I have I have him ranked ahead of all the other guys that are left on the board. So that that's why Cam Newton wants to be in my pick there for me. After that, Russell Gage, Trey Lance comes off. Chris, you go at Rondale Moore with some upside pick there, the 12th round pick. Yeah, I'm looking at my receiving core, and I'm looking for some guys who I think as the season progresses, I want to have some more options at my receiver with more upside. I do think Rondell Moore will start sooner than later. I think he's obviously better than Andy Isabella. I think that A.J. Green kind of the, – the, the jury remains out on him. Another than DeAndre Hopkins, I think there's not a whole lot else to look at. Uh, Christian Kirk's not a player I'm significantly you know, impressed by. I think that he primarily should be utilized in the slot. He's playing more and more on the outside. While Rondell Moore has been successful on the outside, has been lighting it up in camp, and a guy who I think, you know, coming out of this draft was one of the better receivers on the board. After that, you went with Tua Tagovailoa, which I, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, I thought I was going to take Cam and then come back in the next round, and take Tua Tagovailoa, since you had Aaron Rodgers on your team already, you bum. Uh, but you take Tua there. Explain that. Yeah, I think Tua has a lot of upside, and I'm looking for upside like we're talking about. A guy who's also going to be able to utilize his legs. This is his second year off a of major surgery. He's not a guy who's a statue. You know, back there, and I think the offense, as we talked about, has a lot more weapons in place for him to be successful. Um, and then on top of all that, I am a big proponent of have, making sure your quarterback position is kind of on lockdown. I think that your quarterbacks are hard. People like to stream sometimes. It's hard to know what guy is going to do well. A lot of times the guys are predicted to do well that versus a, a softer opponent that doesn't produce like you expect to. Quarterback's not a guy where I'm trying to look to hope. It's guys I'm kind of waiting for to make sure that I'm, sol- I'm solid at the position. So Aaron Rodgers, if there is some kind of fall off, where there isn't some kind of games and matchups where I'm not a big fan of, I think too as a safe floor where I would be very comfortable putting him in my lineup. For me, from a draft strategy standpoint, I think that's a waste because you're never going to start to attack the ball over an Aaron Rodgers, and you can always stream for a bye week. I understand what you're saying there with the upside, uh, but for me, from a draft standpoint, if I'm taking one of these top 10 quarterbacks earlier on, I'm not taking a second quarterback to maximize my roster capacity. That's from my standpoint on the strategy there. Kenneth Gainwell comes off the board. Kirk Cousins, 
I actually came back in the 13th round and I went with my last sleeper tight end that was still on the board, which is Jared Cook. I still think there is a position for who's going to be the second pass catcher next to Keenan Allen. I don't think it is necessarily Mike Williams, especially when it comes to the red zone. I just think there's some upside here. So I have two upside tight ends. I've been doing this more and more because I don't want to waste my waiver wire spot, especially if you play in those leagues where you, you, know, you carry over your waiver wire priority. It doesn't reset every single week, which is the more popular way as of late. If you're not doing fad budget, I'd rather have two tight ends so I don't have to waste trying to stream tight end every, every week with my priority and take two guys that have upside and play them out and see how it goes. Tyler Higby would be my guy in this instance, but Jared Cook's there for the potential and especially in some certain matchups like the Kansas City Chiefs who are not very good at the tight end position as well. Jalen Rager comes off. Deshaun Watson we see come off in the 13th round. I'm okay with the idea of Watson there just in case he does play. You're just taking a shot here, and you might have a top 10 quarterback if he's there. No problem with that pick whatsoever. If he doesn't play, then you have waiver wire. And you know what? When you get to this point in the draft, a lot of it is waiver wire chum, essentially. Anyway, with guys, you're going to be rotating in and out. So I don't mind the upside pick there. Then we see our first divas come off the board in the Los Angeles Rams. Young Hoku comes off the board, our first kicker. Kind of surprised he's the first kicker to come off the board. Cole Beasley, J.D. McKissick, Evan Ingram. Chuba Hubbard starting to get in these handcuff areas. Then we see Justin Tucker and then a string of defenses in that 14th round. That's a little bit earlier. If you're in a league that knows what they're doing or is really in, in, in the, in the know, I don't think you're going to see defenses go in the 14th round, but you may see this in some of your home leagues out there. When Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh, Washington, Baltimore, all in a row there with the computer, Tevin Coleman, Terrace Marshall comes off. And we see Harrison Buckner. Then we get back to my pick finally. And I'd say Carson Wentz to pair up with Cam Newton. He might be back week one. I Carson Wentz was always one of my sleeper quarterbacks going into this season in general, hooking back up with Frank Reich. While they don't have a lot of over-the-top impressive weapons on this team, I think they have a lot more to offer than people want to give them credit for. And Carson and the Wentz Eagles even, had last year. Well, yeah, a lot more than the Eagles had last year. And then and even Carson worked. Wentz's standpoint, he, he scrambles a bit. Even last year, as terrible as it was, Wentz was still actually an okay fantasy football quarterback. So put him in a better situation. I like this, getting to pair him up with Cam Newton. I feel like I have two guys there that I'm going to be able to rotate based on matchup. And I'm still, because I took him so late, don't care if I wind up streaming them later on. Then the Buffalo Bills come off New England. And then, Chris, we get to your back-to-back picks in the 14th, 15th round. Yeah, I think that I was looking at, you know, the run on defense kind of threw me a curveball where I started to consider looking at one of the better defenses there, but then they basically the computer just went crazy um, in the 14th round adding defenses. So for me, I was kind of looking for, you know, did I want to add another upside receiver? I was looking at St. Brown as an option there, but I decided to make sure that I had tight end lockdown because I think that finding an extra receiver here or there is not a little bit easier than finding that tight end that actually be productive. Once you get to a certain point, as you kind of talked off, Talked about, you know, some of these tight ends are very hit or miss. We're just waiting for an injury, hopefully, to happen. Well, I think Everett clearly will be the starter in Seattle, and I think that he's got a potential to be a guy I can kind of pair up with Janu, depending on what I need to do week to week. Uh, after that, you go Traquan Smith, Austin Hooper. Got back to me. I'm with you, Chris. See, I Last week, we talked about this in the mock draft. And last week I went with a kicker and a defense in the 14th, 15th round. The idea being that if I'm going around earlier than everybody else, get one of the elite guys and then I take my biggest sleeper in the 16th. But because the computer in this instance, and this is a good, you know, teaching moment, zig when they zag, 
because it went so crazy on defensive kicker. I decided, you know what? I'm going to take my sleeper guy now and just like tight end, like quarterback for me. If I don't get one of the top guys, I'd rather just take upside later on in the draft. So I go with Amon St. Brown here as my last sleeper pick, as you will, because you have Brashad Perryman, who's been banged up. Tyrell Williams has been a little bit banged up. We don't know who's going to emerge out of Detroit. I know St. Brown's going to be the slot receiver. I know Jared Goff's history with slot receivers, a la Cooper Cup. Somebody else besides C.J. Hawkinson and the running backs have to catch a ball at some point. I think St. Brown here just has room for some upside as a wide receiver five, wide receiver four that I'm going to be able to plug and play here and there for bye weeks potentially and just see what you kind of get out of this situation. Again, taking a shot here, he's probably going to be waiver wire chum. But I like taking shots on upside guys who maybe has a pathway to be the number one wide receiver for his team. Give me yeah, thoughts think, on the Monte Brown. I was going to say that I agree with that. There's this is around here in the 14 round 15 round 14 15 and 16 is where maybe you're looking at that receiver or that one player that you kind of really think maybe even just productive at the beginning of the season or for the very end of the season. You're not looking for the whole season production out of them, but you're looking for a stretch because it gives you another option to maybe add or drop somebody before that if that you don't see that un, you know, unfold for yourself. But it also gives you that if it does unfold, you have a guy you can kind of ride if you need to throughout the season. After that, we see 49ers defense come off. I was actually contemplating them. I think they, with Nick Bosa back, they still have a chance to be a top-notch defense, frankly. Uh, so they come off the board. Ryan Suckup, Paris Campbell, Cole Komet, Rashad Penny, Sammy Watkins, who I'm good with there in the 15th round. There is one Baltimore wide receiver that you're going to draft. James White, Tyree Cohen, uh, Cleveland Browns defense. Let me see our string of kickers here in the back end. Tyler Brass, Rodrigo Blankenship, Jason Sanders, see Zach Ertz come off. That's kind of interesting. I'm not drafting Zach Ertz in any given draft, but with the given news coming out, can't totally hate it there. Will Lutz, Denver Broncos, Gabriel Davis. I came back and took the Colts defense. Well, I think it's going to be very good. Uh, they you know, had a lot of turnovers last year. They should be able to get some sacks. I, it's between them and the Chargers defense as far as sleeper defenses for me goes. I think about the Chargers are always one injury away from just totally falling off a cliff. Uh, so that's kind of why I went to Colts defense there. Then Mason Crosby, Jason Myers, and Chris, we're going to get to your last pick of the draft here, which has to be a defense. You go to the Miami Dolphins, another sleeper defense that I like quite a bit too. Just talk a little bit about them, and we'll wrap this thing up. Yeah, I mean, at first, I think the Colts defense was a great pick by you. I think the Colts defense has a good chance to be one of the top defenses and has been over the last couple of years. I think you're going to see significant improvement in the top five defense. And then for the Dolphins, I love their turnover ability. They were able to turn the ball over last year. I think that's going to continue to go into this year. They have you know, two of the better corners in the league. They have a defensive upgrade at some defensive ends. So I think overall the Dolphins are a team that kind of got slipped, slipped, slipped on. But I think when you look at their defense, they have a lot of playmakers, all of the Patriots. So overall, I think we both did really good. Taking a lot of tip, tidbits there for MD Nation, which is more what this is all about. The big key, the big observation to me, and we're just going to talk about before we get to the mailbag segment, is that we both went running back strong early. Yeah, I think it's important to make sure that you lock down your running back position. I know there's a lot of injuries last year, and we can't predict the injuries are going to happen like they did last year, but you want to make sure you have your insurance in place that you're going to be too running back strong, and more than likely you benefit from playing a running back at the flex position if you can. So we have three positions, you know, three spots in our starting lineup that we feel we have a lockdown because we went so strong on running back and we made sure we're, we're going to probably have an advantage and then, you know, not out of 10 games that we play against somebody. To me, that's the key is making sure that you have the advantage when you have played different people because it is, you know, it's not overall the statistics are, it's week to week. 
and you need to be able to beat guys at different positions. So if you have an upgraded running back position versus somebody else, maybe has a couple of receivers a little bit better than yours, but you have guys with upside that you can kind of plug in there. I think a lot of times the running back is going to be the one that's going to be successful for you. For me, I just, it's two things for me. It's last year was abysmal for running back. The NFL is an every other year process where things bounce back to the median and swing back and forth. This year would set up as being a better run. It, 2018 was a big passing year. 2019, we saw the running backs reemerge. 2020, again, big passing year. Follow the pattern. I do think the running backs reemerge. There's a lot of running backs who have a lot of upside and a lot of better situations than a year ago. We had a crazy amount of injuries. I don't think we see that level of injury again. At least I hope, you know, knock on wood that we don't. Uh, but also, the other observation is that there's a lot of mid round wide receivers that have top 12 upside, in my opinion, sitting there in the fourth, fifth, sixth rounds, where I think just kind of the value of the way these drafts are this year kind of stacks up. I Not that I have a problem taking those wide receivers early. Again, it's all about what pick you have, what the value player is on the board. But this is kind of the way the board, I feel like, sets up, especially when you have a top five pick, which in this draft, both of us did. So next next week, we'll be back with the full point PPR draft. But guys, guess what time it is now? The mail's here. The mail is here. Now, remember, if you ever want to get in the mailbag segment, all you got to do is go to at Show on social media. Give us a question. We'll answer it no matter what, but we'll take a few of the ones that are our favorites, put them on the show, talk about them here so we can get every... Because usually if one person has a question, this has always been the rule of thumb in school growing up, one person has a question, many people have the same question. So we try to knock them out here for you guys, help you out as we prepare for your drafts in later this month, probably most likely for most of you. First up, we have uh, Greece. He asked, it could be a she actually, I don't know. Who is your number two running back behind Christian McCaffrey out of Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, or Alvin Kamara? Doesn't specify, so let's do this from a half-point PR standpoint. Yeah, I mean, I think that you kind of commented this early in our draft about, you know, who do you take with a preference pick? And to me, Alvin Kamara is my preference I think that this guy that I think he, as you pointed out, is going to be the Saints offense is a guy that hasn't really been tapped into his whole rushing potential yet and will be continuing to have his opportunity with better, better offensive lines. And, you know, and the game has been very successful without Drew Brees. So that narrative is this guy go out the window because he had his best games the last few years without Drew Brees as a quarterback. People need to kind of remember that. Um, so I do think Alvin Kamara is my guy, but I think Alvin Cook and Henry are, you know, it's basically kind of pick your, pick your poison in the sense of who do you like more? Yeah, I think it's a preference pick. I actually have Derrick Henry ranked number two. The only reason is this. He's just as durable and dependable as any running back goes. When I'm looking at those top picks, I value that because from a talent standpoint, a situation standpoint, those top five guys to me, I include Ezekiel Elliott in this, are all pretty much the same as far as what you expect on a week-in, week-out basis. So Derrick Henry, just the durability of him, and also knowing that when you get to playoff time, that's when you get the Derrick Henry time. Give me the guy who always finishes strong every single year. I have these guys incredibly close, though. So, again, this is a preference pick for me. That's why I prefer a little bit the Derrick Henry there. In half-point PPR, now, this full-point PPR is probably Alvin Kamara for me in that instance. But half-point PPR standpoint is Derrick Henry. Next, uh, next question, Nathaniel, PPR. Would you go with Chris Godwin or would you go with Adam Thielen? I think this was a tough one, but I'm going to go with Adam Thielen. I think that, you know, there will be a touchdown regression in some senses, but I do think he's still one of the top receivers in the on the Vikings. I don't know if Jefferson's overtaken him necessarily in the pecking order. 
I think when it comes to Tampa Bay, we talked about the various you know mouths they have to feed. While I think Godwin's going to probably be good, I don't think he'll be much better than he was last year, where I think Thielen might be mad at the same amount of touchdowns, but you might see the yardage increase a little bit. So I go with Adam Thielen's just because I think he has a safer floor and a guy that I kind of think is you know clearly has an opportunity to eat week in and week out. Yeah, I completely disagree with you on this one. It's not even close for me in my rankings. It's definitely Chris Godwin. I have him as a high-end wide receiver, too, with wide receiver one potential. I think both him and Mike Evans could finish inside the top 12. I think it's clear Justin Jefferson is the number one target. Without a doubt, there will be regression for Adam Thielen on touchdowns, and Chris Godwin is going to be one of the top offenses in the NFL, especially throwing the football this season. It's Chris Godwin, and it's not particularly close for me in this one. Uh, next question, Nico. Miles Sanders or DeAndre Swift, who do you have ranked higher in half-point PPR? I mean, for me, this is another one. It's definitely DeAndre Swift for me. Uh, Chris, what is it for you? Yeah, I don't love DeAndre Swift as much as you do, but to me, it's clearly the answer, too. I think Miles Sanders, there's too many question marks. He's in the last year of his deal. Uh, the Eagles basically have a lot of questions with him about his fumbling issues. They haven't been involving him in the passing game, and you add a coaching staff that likes to have guys kind of specialists. So I think that DeAndre Swift clearly is the guy for me because I think no matter what, he's definitely going to be eating week in, week out as long as he's healthy. Big upside. And with Anthony Lynn and Dan Campbell, this offense is going to roll revolve around the running back position. We're not sure exactly where we're going to get out of Philadelphia yet. So that, that's why for me, it's clear-cut DeAndre Swift. Last question. Josh Jacobs, Daryl Henderson, or Miles Gaskin in PPR? From Nate, by the way. Yeah, Nate, I really struggled with this one because I was looking at the stats and you know, Miles Gaskin might surprise people when he played, he was very productive um, and he was definitely utilizing both assets, you know, facets of the game. But I actually went with Josh Jacobs because I think he has the safest floor. Um, he basically was very not very efficient last year. People kind of assumed that the offensive line is going to be crap this year. I don't disagree, but Josh Jacobs only averaged 3.9 yards per carry. And you talked about kind of durability. This is a guy that's basically been out there as the workhorse, you know, for, since he's been drafted, and I kind of trust that he will be somebody that will continue to be out there for the Raiders. He scores touchdowns. So to me, I went with Jacobs, but I understand that these guys, you know, Henderson and, Matt and Gaskins definitely have some upside. Um, Gaskins is a guy who was very productive last year. I just don't love him as a player overall. I wouldn't be surprised if the Dolphins move on from him at some point. And Henderson, I like him, but the durability questions kind of concern me. Actually, I got a quick comment here from Matty Ozo3 from Twitch. Detroit running back group is that good old trap. Look, in some senses, you're not wrong because, again, we talk about we do have injury concerns with Swift. There is a Jamal Williams factor there, but I'm going to trust that situation and the fact that offense is going to revolve around the running back a hell of a lot more than I'm going to trust a Miles Sanders, who frankly has been more disappointing than not so far through this season, just going back on that. Get the, the getting the Nate's question here, I PPR-wise, it's going to be Darrell Henderson for me. Good, good offense. He's going to be involved in the passing game. I, I like this team a lot. I've talked about that with Matthew Stafford. He edges out Josh Jacobs for me in my rankings by one. I think Josh Jacobs is getting slept on a little bit too much. The hate's going up a little bit too far. He's still going to be the main ball carrier. That offense is going to might revolve around the running back position given the, their lack of weapons too. Uh, but because it's PPR, I do believe Henderson has the higher upside than the Miles Gaskin does because I think he's a better runner. And probably will be in just a position to catch the ball just as much. But they're all pretty close to me, but it would be Daryl Henderson for me based on my rankings. Guys. Just real quick, I was going to comment on that. One thing that was interesting is that I tallied all the Rams running backs up together, Malcolm Brown, Henderson, and Akers, and they only had about 45 catches between the, all three of them. So the, the Rams haven't really been featuring their running back position like you kind of expect them to. 
I mean, I think Stafford might change that, but you have a lot of mouths to feed on the Rams. Well, that was going to be my next point. Stafford has that history of dumping it down to the running back, especially in two-minute drills. He does do that check down to keep the chains moving a lot more. So I think you're going to see a difference there between Stafford and Golf when it comes to running back targets, quite frankly. Uh, so that's why I think it's going to be. I don't think that, that's the Sean McVay thing. I think it was more of a Jared Goff thing. Wrap this thing up. I did ask MD Nation a poll like I do every single week. And my question to MD Nation was this. Which borderline wide receiver three are you going to draft first? And, and I said borderline wide receiver three. These guys are wide receiver threes, wide receiver fours, according to ADP in that, that late round territory. I asked between Robbie Anderson, Antonio Brown, Will Fuller, and Brandon Cooks. 35% said Robbie Anderson, 33 Antonio Brown, 15% for Will Fuller, 17% for Brandon Cooks. Kind of shocked that Robbie Anderson winds up taking this mantle here. What do you think, Chris? I think people are drinking the Robbie Anderson Kool-Aid with the Sam Darnold connection. We, we've pointed out numerous times that this, this fantasy connection that they had back in New York didn't exist. You know, Robbie Anderson wasn't utilized like he needed to be in on the Jets. It's probably why he wanted to leave. So I think then you look at it, Sam Darnold isn't going to have this clear connection. You have DJ Moore there. You have Terrence Marshall, Christian McCaffrey returning. So I think that you look at the other guys, they have a lot more upside in my book. Um, I think I'm a, little, I'm a little surprised by MD Nation's choice on this one. I am too. For, I mean, for me, it was definitely going to be Antonio Brown out of this group anyway, which was the second answer. But as far as the Robbie Anderson thing goes, I think you're putting a little too much faith in the Sam Donald robbie Anderson connection. We also don't know still what the role Robbie Anderson is going to play. Is he, is he going to play that short intermediate role again with DJ Moore being the big play guy within this Joe Brady, Matt rule offense? Are they going to switch these guys out? Which I, I think some people believe that they should just based on the role that these players typically play. But we know this, Sam Darnold's not a big, you know, upside quarterback. He doesn't throw the ball deep. I have no faith in him being a good quarterback. I don't think he's going to be an improvement much over Teddy Bridgewater, for, quite frankly. So I'm while Robbie Anderson last year was a wide receiver too, I think you have more mouths to feed with Christian McCaffrey back, adding Terrace Marshall. And I think it's going to take away some of the volume. Outside of DJ Moore, because he just doesn't need a ton of volume to be fantasy relevant, I don't know what Carolina wide receiver I necessarily want to touch, period, with where they're going. If Anderson were to completely fall in some drafts. Maybe I'll look at him there, but I'd much rather have Antonio Brown in a offense that I know is going to be high scoring that I know is going to have a lot of passing volume and a, a guy, Antonio Brown, who we saw big things of at the end of last year, who was two years missing from the game and has been getting raved about in camp with where he's at now in his conditioning. Now that he's been able to kind of get back on track and playing more consistently. So for me, it's definitely Antonio Brown, a little shocked by that there. That's going to do it for today's show, guys. Hope everybody enjoyed it. We will be back tomorrow again on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network at WWSRN, also at Belly Up MDFF Show on social media and on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe. We'll be back at 11 a.m., 12.30 p.m. with our best five, bus five, sleeper five, running backs. And then next week, we'll be back with our full-point PPR mock draft. So we have covered all of the scoring format mock drafts to get everybody in MD Nation ready for their draft. Everyone take care. We'll see you guys again tomorrow. Everybody have a wonderful night and watch those preseason games, by the way, might get some good nuggets in tonight's games. Everybody see you later.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.